Most things in life, I've had to figure out for myself. How to make money, how to write a resume, how to talk to boys. But when it came to signing up for health insurance, I had a hard time figuring it out on my own. Turns out, I didn't have to. Covered California was made by Californians for Californians. They have experts to walk you through the process and financial help for people who need it. Enrollment ends January 31st. Go to CoveredCA.com. Covered California, this way to health insurance. Hi there, I'm Mindy Stearns. And I'm J.D. Cargill. And I'm Michelle Arego. Welcome to Friends Some and Then Some. We are three best friends who met in the local L.A. news scene about 20 years ago and decided to start a podcast all about friendship through the lens of midlife. And we have wildly different points of view, but we embrace each other with humility, honesty, sometimes brutal honesty, and lots of humor. Hoping our listeners feel the love, get inspired, energized, and walk away or drive away with tons of life hacks, tips, and tricks to get you through this crazy thing we call life. We are Midlife AF and Flossom AH. You know what that means. Here we go. Here we go. Cheers. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. Woo-hoo. We have a great show today. It's called yeah, we What do. Are Your True <laughs> Desires and How to Get Them? We are so excited to have Catherine DeMonte. She's a psychotherapist. Therapist, I'm sorry, from Calabasas. She's a licensed family counselor and she's written an amazing book called Beep, 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 Get Out of My <laughs> Way. Okay. I love that title. <laughs> it is, it's a fantastic read, right? Especially really from LA, right? With LA yeah. traffic. <laughs> That's a good point. I hadn't thought about that when I came up with the title. But it it is very. Can we? Can we? Well, well, let's talk about the elephant in the room, or actually not in the room, but outside. There was no beep beep getting out of my way driving up here today because we're in the middle of Corona Geddon. And if you notice, our our fearless uh, threesome third is not here today because he is keeping a very safe social distance. Right, right. Happy people. And also, I thought it was unfair to the world not to get to see my blind. Your Look blinds. Oh, your blinds are amazing. <laughs> are you my showcasing your blinds? Okay, my that's window funny. Covers. It's no, all listen, about interior I, decorating to JD. <laughs> I, as, as you all know, uh, uh, my mother is a single woman now and she lives alone and she's in her 70s. And so out of abundance of caution, I've brought her to stay home with me so that there's someone to look after her. And I just couldn't uh, stomach the thought of, you know, with all the unknowns out there yeah. still, what I might bring back to a vulnerable segment of our population because that's all we've been hearing about. So I thought, well, you know what? I'll call in and and this, we'll just do it this way. But actually, I'm it's good. really ex- wait. Hold yeah, on, because is, if you is. notice, like hand me that um, tape measure, Michelle. Because oh. if you notice, we're in okay. studio, we and go. because Michelle, I'm not going to touch it. I'm going to pull it. If you notice, Michelle and I are six feet away, and exactly. there would be no six room. And right Catherine's now. over there, six feet Catherine, from me. There's no room for you in here. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God. Thank God, I'm not there. If I was yeah. there, I brought I'd my measuring the, tape. I'd be missing links. Exact. Patient X. And I still have my crystals, so my selenite's clearing. I don't know if this is I don't know how scientific. that works against this virus, but yeah, it might. I'll hey, take anything at hey, this point. Anything. But, okay. So, so I'm excited to talk about this book, Catherine. Thank you thank so you. much for coming in. You Truly. So beep, beep. Get out of my way. Let's just start with that. Where did that title come from? <laughs> well, um, it came because I noticed that the people who had been applying these tools from my abundance circles, which is where I taught them, once they cleared their past, they were unstoppable. And that mm-hmm. literally is how I got the title. 
That is a great title. Thank you. I mean, obviously more apropos being right here in LA where (laughs) everyone's in such a hurry to get anywhere they need to go. Yeah. So talk a little bit more about the, 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 like your, the, the title and how it happened, like how you got to this point. I'm going to write a book. Mm. Well, I, I am a psychotherapist as, as you know, as Michelle mentioned, and I noticed that there are certain, there were certain tools that I often told people about when they were trying to move through their life and get the thing, whatever that thing was that they most desired. For some people, it might be a partner or it could be financial abundance or a baby or more peace. Mm. And I noticed I was sprinkling in a couple of things on in almost every session. And then I decided that they would be more powerful if I brought them together, you know, and, and told some told people all of them. And even more powerful, exponentially more powerful, if I did it in a group, <laughs> in a group setting. <laughs> that okay. was not Mindy's sound Beep, effect. beep, get out of my way. There is a dog in the house. JD. <laughs> Who let the dogs in? <laughs> This reminds me of the guy that was doing the conferencing and his children walk in behind him. And oh, the, right, And right, the roll right, strollers yes, behind him. And they're yes. like, oh. She was like, she ran uh-huh. in. <laughs> the mom just, just was like, <laughs> I could watch that three million it's times. Funny. It's the funniest thing, too. And now my about, kids are in the other room. That was about Bart, Bart, get out of my room. <laughs> well, where you were at, Catherine, was you talked about the power of putting all the messages together, mm-hmm, collecting. That's right. But then you started these groups mm-hmm. and we've talked about our group. We have some friend groups. And mm-hmm. like I said, this whole platform is about midlife. Yeah. Having your tribe, right. creating a group that holds you up. Right. What did, what did your women's circles and your groups do for? It is so much more powerful. Clients? Yes. I agree with you that it's so much more powerful to speak these things out loud because it makes it real in the world. So people were in circles sharing what that desire was. It's very different than writing it at home, in your bedroom, in your journal, quietly, for example. Makes it real when you say it out loud. It does, Makes it real. And then all of a sudden you're accountable for making those dreams happen. Absolutely. That's exactly what I was thinking too, was Mm -hmm. the accountability piece. So um, there was that. And then also people holding it for you Mm -hmm. is energetically more powerful. So you've not only spoken it out loud, and now you're accountable, but others are holding it up. And I found in the circles that when somebody spoke it, somebody might say something like, well, come to think of it, you might want to try so-and-so, you know, such and such. To, Or I know somebody that might, you know, like, be good for that. It's like a network session. mm -hmm, Yeah. To help you make what happen. Yeah. And in addition, these tools are really powerful. So all of that made it, you know, things really show up that people have been longing for sometimes for like a decade. Matt, can I jump in for a second, Catherine? When sure. you say that, um, like the the essence is to clear your path to get to, I guess whatever it is you want. Is your research have you found that what is really getting in people's way a lot of the time, a lot of the times, is themselves? Absolutely, I absolutely think that, including our our thoughts and our and our energy. Um, mm-hmm. And I think too, we may want something, but then we don't keep our energy focused on that. You know, we let it go. Right. We don't do that when we're in a new love affair. We we think of our beloved constantly, right? Mm-hmm. We put energy out there and we think, how will I meet him or her? Um, how can I show my love for this person? You know, we put a lot of energy into something like, you know, like, okay. Like we front load beloved. it. We what? We front mm-hmm. load it. Yes, we front load it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But when we have a desire, we might, you know, like a financial abundance or meeting somebody. We may think that for a while, but then we get depressed. And now our energy 
what we're you know putting out there is actually a low vibration. Like I'll never get that. I've waited this long, and it's never <sighs> going to show up. So sad. And without meaning to, we're actually repelling it mm-hmm. instead of right. attracting it. I think there's power in that. I really do. I yeah. think there's a lot of power in that. Whatever you give energy will grow. Right. I mean, and whether it's good, mm-hmm. bad, what you're trying to attract, or mm-hmm. it will. I mean, you hear that cliche, whatever you, you know, whatever you if resist you get, will persist, persist. Mm-hmm. and whatever right. you, know, you feed will grow. So mm-hmm. the dark wolf and the light wolf, I love that story yes, of the two wolves that you feed. Yep. Mm-hmm. Who wins, Daddy? So I'd like to like, um, you know, we're, we're very focused on the midlife journey here because mm-hmm. we're all kind of in that space right mm-hmm. now. And I love mm-hmm. how you break down the different phases of life when you start. Can you can you do that? Can you do the breakdown starting in our 20s and kind of take us on that path on how we got here? Sure, sure. Because so. what we really want to find out, is midlife crisis really a thing? Mm-hmm. I mean, if we made this fun term and we, we get caught up in kind of making fun of a midlife crisis. You know, we see a fast car <laughs> or we see a guy wearing something, you know, midlife crisis, uh-huh. midlife crisis, or we see, you know, we see a woman with maybe some new things <laughs> on their bodies, things on their bodies. <laughs> and we're like, crisis. Is it really a thing? What, what happens? Can you break it down for us? It does Who not are we have in our to 20s? be in crisis. Yeah, I prefer to think it is a victory, at least for us. Too. We are having a midlife victory, mm, but I, I know yeah. it's a thing. And I want to attract more of the good by calling it a victory. Yes. Right. We thrive. We want to thrive in midlife, not right. just uh, be so victims of it. Let's yes, break it down. Exactly. Let's Take start. us through the journey. Who are we in our 20s? What, so what, is, what are we doing? In our 20s, we're usually in college and we're figuring out what we want to study and what we want to be and we're giving thought to our future. We're not as, I don't think we're as in the present moment. I mean, we're in the present in terms of studying and and things like that, but I think we have a goal in mind. Like I'm doing this so that when I get out of here, I can be something. I can be a doctor or a professor or something. We're kind of out of the present a bit and, and into what I want to be. Um, we we're may- focused on the future. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And it's very vast. It's long and stretching yeah. in your 20s. It's yeah. so, there's so much of it. You just think you have time. Yes. Forever. Yeah. Yeah. Really <laughs> well, and just you. think the decisions we're making in our 20s are laying down the tracks. Like, that's a lot of power for a 20 year old to have. It is. It, it, it's, channeling our 40s and our 50s what that our 20 self is doing exactly so then what happens in our 30s well i just want to say one more thing about the 20s we're also very influenced by what other people are telling us we should be doing which also lays down our parents and some yes Mm -hmm. exactly and sometimes we're following their dictates instead of listening to our heart which we get better at in our 30s And in our 30s, to your point, we generally have met our partner and we are now in the thing that we want to be doing. So we're um, sort of there, but we're still kind of malleable. We may be having our children then if we haven't already. Yeah, I know some men that just have to skip. They don't. That never happens. (laughs) 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 They're still in their 20s and then they go right to their 40s. So I was thinking that, boy, 30, 30s is when we meet our partner. I was 39 and sliding mm-hmm. into that midlife. I don't know if it was a crisis or whatever, but I pretty much had a real difficult time in the late in my late 30s because I didn't have that um, boyfriend box checked off of my life. And yeah. I know that it created a lot of um, anxiety and stress. And I'm like, where am I? What? What? You know, so I, when you talk about 
the thirties being the time when people typically find that partner mm-hmm. when you don't have what is typical for that time period. I felt it. It feels mm-hmm. heavy and potentially lonely. Yeah. yeah. And it can, it can cause uh judgment, self judgment. Like I should be instead of just being comfortable with where you are. Mm-hmm. Don't want to right. shoot on yourself. No shooting on no yourself. No shooting on yourself. <laughs> well, I think good. categorically the three of us were late bloomers. If you want to call it that. Yeah. I mean, we both got married in our late thirties. Mm-hmm. We I had my last had child ch- at 40. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was 39 when I had my last and, you know, I always say I my last egg. <laughs> Barely. You know? Yeah. And now my ovaries are hanging up in like a Hall of Fame somewhere. Like they're done. Um, so we Surprise all kind of got by on the hair of our chinny chin chin. We, but we I do have a hair on, on my chin now. Freaking midlife is the one. Ch- there's one hair. And I know all you girls. There are a lot of you out there that have one freaking chin uh-huh, hair yes. that just comes back. You want uh-huh. all day you're checking for it every day. And then one day it's just like four feet long. Oh, and you're like, right. oh. Oh, say remove head yeah. in, please. <laughs> Master Paul. Oh, you my just gosh. slid right into that. Son so, of a chin. So we made our family, or maybe we're in, in our 40s getting those things that we want. Um, what happens when we're in that midlife crisis time, 45 mm-hmm. to 55? Where's the breakdown? What? Why does that happen? Because your midlife between birth and what you perceive will be your death. And so you're literally mm-hmm. midlife and you're starting to wonder if you've made good choices, if you're with the right partner, if you've done everything you should, if you're being authentic. So you start really questioning things. But if you've followed things like the step, the tools in the book, for example, and live very authentically, you don't tend to find it to be a crisis. You tend to be to see it as a victory or um, just an amazing journey you know, that you don't question and and you celebrate the choices you've made. So let's go over the tools. Tool number one, let's just breeze through. You have seven amazing tools in this book that help you. And desire is kind of a, you know, I think also our generation, you know, desire, like you said, we were really programmed to, you know, of the 80s to be a doctor or a lawyer or Mm -hmm. be successful. And and we kind of had to squash our own desires or desire was like almost a shameful like, are you being selfish? Like, right. desire. So what is what is that work in theory or how do we find mm-hmm. what it even is? Mm-hmm. Maybe that's part of the midlife crisis. People get to their 40s and 50s and go, what is what my want? desire? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think all of us came into this incarnation with a desire inside of us, like a seed. And you're so right. A lot of us have gotten told to go do something different. But... Mm-hmm. But that desire was meant to come out, meant to to bring it out. And I feel like when we don't honor that voice and and do what we were we came here to do, that's when mm-hmm. crisis shows up or depression. Oh, you don't honor your desire, crisis sets in. Mm-hmm. Catherine, yeah, exactly. is that is desire on par with like finding your flow? A lot of people talk about this phrase, and something that I kind of gelled with it's like what is your true purpose what is the what's going to bring you the most meaning on the planet find your flow is that kind of the same the <laughs> i don't same have vein? any flow now that i'm midlife i'll put it <laughs> <laughs> oh <It's> gone. <laughs> it might be close to flow i never thought of it that way what i think of it as is you know i noticed with a lot of my clients their life felt pretty good except for this thing this one big thing was missing 
Like they might right. have made plenty of money by their by the time they were in their 30s, but they wanted a partner to share that life with. Or they had a partner and money was really, really tight. And they and they got into fights over the uh, lack of money and couldn't pay bills and it was depressing and they were worried about their house being foreclosed on. So that set in depression. So if only they had money, they'd be happy, they thought. Or if only I had mm-hmm. a child or if only I could get this project done that I know I meant to create. So I saw desire as that one big thing that felt elusive, you know, that they just felt like only I had that. And I find that when we really deeply want something, we have a different energy toward it. And that's why it's really easy to get a parking spot. (laughs) For example, when you're in a parking lot and you can't find a spot and then you say parking lot angel kind of light Right. In a light way and kind of humorously, it shows up, right? So you got to drive All up front to park up front. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's how I say if you, you know, if the you don't, and that's gods, part of like, it, oh, I say parking, parking lot angel. I love angel. that. Yeah. <laughs> love that's that. true. I mean, if you believe you're going to find it, you will. I think that's everything in life. That's kind of an, um, an analogy that's, um, very basic, but very profound when mm-hmm. you apply it to anything in life. If mm-hmm. you know you're going to find it, You'd you be more inclined to seeing it. it absolutely. When your eyes are ready to seek, mm-hmm. you will find. Mm-hmm. But if you just think, oh, I'll never find a place to park, that's like life. Because you're not going to. You're right. I think there's the seeing it, like you just mentioned, but I also believe very much in energy. And yeah. I think that when our energy is, I just expect to, mm-hmm. the universe hears that and says, got it. But when our energy mm-hmm. is, please, 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 I need it. Right. Then the universe goes, okay, you need it. Mm. Do you get you oh, see what I'm so saying? Like you, okay, you need it. I will make sure you keep needing this, and I'll leave it out here. Right. Oh. The need, so you feed the need, but the need never gets bad. Exactly, because you. It's like live the experience you want to live. Like, like if you believe in something, this is like Mindy. We've talked about this so many yeah. times with getting a job on, you know, in a very competitive world as an on-air reporter or in journalist. And if you go in there with this sense of like de- desperation, or you know, your read is really like you know, nervous, or you're not really fully believing and owning that you 100% deserve this and are great at this job. And, you know, that's really the difference, right? Believing in something, it sets you free, and it frees up the energy around you to create that reality. Yeah, I have to on that on that JD. Yeah, we have talked about that a lot. And I believe like I grew up knowing I was like, I know I'm going to have a very successful career in media. It was Mm -hmm. weird. Like I knew from a child, I was right. going to do something. I didn't know what it was. I just knew at the core that it, someday I would get there. And I guess that allowed me to see the doors when they opened mm-hmm. where, mm-hmm. I mean, if I hadn't had that, I might not have seen the opportunity present itself. Yeah. How does one instill that belief? Because that is, I think, the hardest step to going for, I really want it to, I believe I will have it. How do you bridge the the idea that you want it to into, I know I can get it. I will have it. I believe I can get it because I think that's yeah. where the disconnect for a lot of people is mm-hmm. because they can go like, 100%. okay, okay, I believe I should have it. I believe, I think you really have to, to your core, yeah, believe it. Mm-hmm. I do too. How do you do that? I do too. I think we have to watch our thoughts. Mm-hmm. For example, one of the tools is um, I am statements. So watching our I am statements. Uh, even if I we, can be really bad at these I am statements. It's mm-hmm. so common. I have to admit, I, I try to stay very positive, but when I'm alone or I make a mistake, I often will say, oh, I'm such an idiot. Or mm-hmm. I am, oh, I am so, you know, I don't know. I, I, I can get negative thoughts mm-hmm. 
how do you it's so have your too. how do you work through those I am states? Yeah, what's the training to get really, through that dialogue? Well, it's really good you're aware of them. A lot of a lot of times we say these I am's without even knowing it, and our and our our brain <laughs> doesn't know if we're kidding or not, or if we're being facetious. Mm-hmm. Or I have a friend um, that. On that note, I, I, I knew someone that used to always say, I can't afford it. I just can't afford it. I can't. Yeah. And I was like, why don't you change that dialogue to, um, you know what? I'd love to do that, but I'm saving. Mm-hmm. How exactly. about I, I, that I would love to do and I will, mm-hmm. but I'm saving so that I, I will be able to instead mm-hmm. of I can't afford it. Cause what happened mm-hmm. was that person was never, ever able to afford it. I believe it. Cause yeah, they continued they... this, this record playing of like, Oh, I can't afford it. I can't afford it. Yeah. And, uh, it was just like, change the dialogue. Like, well, Absolutely. you know what? Today, today it's just, it's, I, um, I would love to do that right now. I will do that mm-hmm, one day. Right mm-hmm. now, I'm saving. Mm-hmm. I, I love that. I think that's such a good example. I, I love you're using the idea of a record plane because I think of it as a needle plane, you know, an old, like on an old-fashioned LP, like yes. going over and over that same groove mm-hmm. and yes. digging it in really deeply. It digs. So, yeah. And so to maybe say, I need to make another choice today mm-hmm. or later or yeah. something. But just I, I, my, my friend always says, um, I can't. I don't have, mon- I don't have enough money. So similarly says something, yeah. you know, along around lack and keeps creating that she has lack. So exactly. yeah, it's really, really it's like whatever you're talking about. People say this sometimes that um, worrying, worrying is just like praying for what you don't want, yeah. you know, because oh, what is prayer? It's like focusing on something that you do want to happen and putting your energy into that. But worrying is the opposite. Would you say that a lot of the, the theme of your tools um, have to do with optimism, like have to do with remaining in a positive mm. outlook and about outlook? That is a great question. Yeah, I guess it does. Yeah. I hadn't thought of it that way. And I've been, I come to think of it, I think of myself as pretty optimistic and believe things will happen. And um, I do. I do think that that's a, a good way to think of it. But what if you What aren't? are some of the other tools? Oh, what sorry. You, go ahead. No, that's okay. What if you aren't like with your other tool in chap, whatever, tool three, shadow material? Ooh, that's and I such think a good one. During this time of this coronavirus where our shadow self is is coming out mm-hmm. it's not what is that it's not coming <laughs> it's yeah. not staying Can you expand on that yeah, yeah expand a little bit about yeah. the shadow material and how so, that plays out yeah so shadow material um is a a term um that carl jung uh coined and it has to do it's not dark and and um evil evil it's uh it's un, it's uh, unseen. It's not it's, tangible. So it's, yeah, it's in the dark. Okay. So think of it that way. Like it's not tangible. Uh, it's out of the light of our awareness. Is it like van- like Dracula who lurks in the shadows, and you need to bring it into the light so we can bathe in the sunlight? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's yeah, self awareness, so. right? Yeah. To know it, of your maybe negative personality traits, but mm. give them a gift and right. say, "Well, I may, you know." I may be this, or maybe mm-hmm. I was an only child in my past, but that gave me a great imagination in my mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Like you see those things that were in your shadow, mm-hmm. but that gave you an incredible gift mm-hmm. in your now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like how you can turn it into the gifts that came, like the gifts wrapped in sandpaper kind of a thing. Like the Ooh, good I that like came that from this is, you know, that. So the stuff that goes into our shadow went there because we deemed it um, unsafe to have that trait when we were growing up. So let's say you were, you guys were cute little kids singing into your hairbrush, 
in the living room dancing ar- around and, a pa- and every day, every day, <laughs> still doing it. Still doing it. <laughs> <laughs> but let's say a parent walked by and said, "Quit being so vain. You're so full of yourself." Yeah. And you might not even know what vain meant, but you knew that that energy felt kind of icky, and yeah, whatever yeah. you were doing, that wasn't gonna, that wasn't safe in that in your world. So you suppressed it thinking, I don't know what that is, but I better hide it. And you put vanity. And that's why when you see people who you think are vain, that's your trigger. It's that thing about, you know, pointing a finger and and they're three pointed back. So when you really detest a trait in somebody, that's your shadow. Okay. Mm. That makes, that's a really clear way of saying it. Yeah. Because I've heard it said so many ways, like whatever is triggers in someone, that's the worst part of yourself or that's the part that you're not, you know, in comfortable comfortable with with, Mm -hmm. or you haven't accepted yet. Mm Because Lord knows there is some hostility flying around Mm -hmm. in the media Mm -hmm. everywhere and the online keyboard warriors who are throwing daggers from the other side. And I just, I, I read one the other day and I was like, you know, um, to, to, to shame those people that supported a, whatever in mm-hmm. politics, you know, whatever side you're shame mm-hmm. to shame the people that support is mm-hmm. sad. Cause mm-hmm. I'm like, you're, there's something in you that hurts, mm-hmm. that's hurting, trying to hurt, like hurt mm-hmm. people, hurt people. Right. Right. Exactly. So I find that really interesting, the shadow material that you feed. Yeah. And then well, how do you bring that into the light? How do you recognize that? The first way to bring it into the light would be to to find out what yours is. And the easiest way is that pointing a finger and three pointing back. Mm-hmm. You can another way to do it would be think of your best quality. Like let's say it's being open-minded and you're really proud of that and you take pride in being an open-minded person. What might be in your shadow would be um rigidity in others. Mm-hmm. Like I can't stand when people are closed-minded. So what if you took rigidity and found out what the gift in that might be in your life? So let's say the gift in that might be something like, I learned to say no instead of yes to everything. Like I learned to take better care of myself. I learned to get rigid about my own time. Or having personal agency. Yes, exactly. And boundaries. So instead Mm -hmm. of judging rigidity, you embrace the gift that rigidity has to offer. So when you, someone triggers you, I think that's a really good time, like you're saying, to look in the mirror and see what it is in you of that that particular characteristic yeah. might exist or have been instilled in you as a child. Mm-hmm. And how can you see that that characteristic can work for you? Exactly. Exactly. So one way like to that. do that would be to ask what it's bringing up. Like mm-hmm. look this way mm-hmm. inside instead of looking at that person's action. Look at what it brings up. Look at the feeling that you're having based on their behavior. Because mm-hmm. if we didn't have a, a wound there, if we didn't have shadow material there, we might not like it, but it wouldn't it wouldn't, it wouldn't us. trigger us. Yeah, it wouldn't trigger us. We'd yeah. just note it, like, hmm, right. and it would be gone. But when that we're triggered. So see, I'm not triggered by loud, obnoxious people. <laughs> <laughs> you found your home. <laughs> my peeps. My people. My tribe. My tribe. Yeah. Well, we I also would. Oh, oh go sorry. Ahead, go ahead, JD. No, no, no. You go. Oh, Catherine, I mm-hmm. was just thinking when you were saying that your shadow material, like, like I can relate to this in a personal way. That sometimes I, if I bump heads with people, and I think, why am I bumping heads with them? A lot of times, it's because we're very similar kinds of people. Yeah. Like we're both comfortable, you know, in the center of attention. We're both comfortable yeah. being loud and funny, and and then when someone else has those same qualities, which I think of as qualities, maybe there's a bit of me that feels like, oof, like. 
I'm not the only one. I'm not special. Is it like a mirror? Yeah. Is it like, do people who trigger us throw up a mirror that we can't see? They Exactly. That's exactly what it does. It's like that back to back. I love Dracula. You know, I'm into that whole Dracula. I just saw the Netflix Dracula series and I just loved it. I loved it. It was such a unique, (laughs) fun way of the Dracula story. But I think of like people that are feeding their shadow. The shadow has no reflection. You know, Dracula has no reflection. The mirror's yes. there. And if you could see it, it's existent. You could see that shadow material. Yes. And sometimes we have to look a little oh. harder to see it. Yes. I think. Oh, I think that's, that's such a great point. You and how wonderful that. to, <laughs> <laughs> how wonderful like, to learn to embrace it because by hiding these traits, we're actually judging ourselves, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Like that part of me we is bad. So therefore, the yeah. And, um, by bringing it out and, and, taking the gifts from these traits, we're embracing our whole self. Mm-hmm. And like that comes that. back to your point of how it's to sort, be more loving. Yeah. Again, it comes back to also to like our tagline, Flossom. Flossom is awesome, right? Flaws Flossom. that are awesome. We are flossom. Oh, I Full love of flaws. You know? Yes. That's so much What's more accepting. What's one part of advice you could give? I know it's one of your tools in your book too, but none of this coronavirus was going on or inspired by your book, but love versus fear. Mm. I think a lot of us have fear right now, mm-hmm. fear of the unknown. Um, and what and is there's that a lot of people that are feeding on it. We have mm-hmm. yeah. be- between love versus fear. It is like a battle. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So and uh, did you ask how how to come? Yeah, how do we do this in the in the midst of what's going on right now? Mm -hmm. There is an overwhelming sentiment of fear, Mm because we don't know, we just don't know. And there are so many people feeding it, Mm -hmm. feeding it. And I think the virus, the most deadly virus, virus we have is fear. I do too. That spreads faster than anything. Yeah. And there's no cure. Like what's the cure to the fear virus? Love. Love is the opposite. Of fear, you know. How do talk you apply about that real time? Like, okay, so you know, people are are just ter- like, the people that are fighting over toilet paper. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, how do you like, how do you apply love right then and there? So love would have us offer it up to somebody else, right? Because love is right. kindness. Oh, see, you know, rather than judge them for it, my you kind of lean into it and be like, oh, they're afraid. These people have a genuine emotional reaction. Yeah. Besides loving them, information seems like it's also a great way to diffuse fear. Mm-hmm. It is, isn't it? Because fear mm-hmm. is unknown, right? And so right. If, if we're educated about something, then we don't have fear around it anymore. You, they think that people think that the opposite of love is hate, but it's actually fear. And you so, know what? I agree. I think all yeah. that hatred, anger, hostility all comes from fear. Mm-hmm. All the other really. emotions mm-hmm. of uh, charity and humanitarian come from love. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, just for an example, um, my husband's assistant, Keely, was out at the meat store and she was buying some meat and this gentleman ha- wanted to get some hamburger. He just wanted to make spaghetti for his family. But all the meat was gone. No meat. Mm-hmm. And so she just talked to him and she's like, here, she told the butcher, you know what, take half of mine and give him a pound of meat. Wow. And he almost went into tears. He was like, for you to be so gracious and kind and generous right now, everyone's hoarding. And mm-hmm. that just, it, that was a moment where love was given and love was received and it created a beautiful moment mm. in the midst of this. Mm, yeah. And I think if mm. we have more of those little acts of people just, instead of hoarding, there's room for all of us. Right. We're not. Right. You know, but we can right. legitimize people's fears and we can walk in grace in our own fears mm-hmm, because right. I'm not, even when I'm showing someone love, 
that doesn't mean I'm not harboring my own fears. Right, right, exactly. And so we just have to be more understanding that some have different, uh, it's almost like a spectrum, right? Mm -hmm. That we're working on a spectrum level and every individual might have their level of denial versus mm -hmm. yeah. reality versus skepticism. And we're all walking in it together. Yeah. And even when I'm being loving, it doesn't mean I'm not <laughs> in fear. Mm -hmm. Right. Myself. And, yeah. Cause fear can be very legitimate. It can warn us to, you know, to be careful. Well, it's a valuable That's, tool. Yeah. It's a valuable tool. Um, it can also sometimes be called, um, false evidence appearing real, right? So like, I'm yeah, afraid that this thing will, will happen. But when given a choice, we might ask what love would have me do here. Like if you're not, not sure how to do uh, what decision mm -hmm. to make, like just I'm afraid if like, like we were talking earlier about like our parents telling us what to major in. And they may have said, aren't you afraid that if you don't study medicine or accounting <laughs> that you will you yeah, will never get a job. Yeah. And so oh. we buy that, but love would have us take good care of ourselves. Or I'm afraid if I leave this relationship that's awful, I'll never find love again. That's fear-based. Love would say, I love, even if I don't find love, I love myself I'm too okay. much to stay in this or I'm okay. Mm -hmm. And oh, I love generally, that. if we step out of it, we will find love because that's what we now know we deserve. I read a great book years ago called Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. Mm. It was a really mm -hmm. great mantra for life because mm -hmm. I, when I look at shows, I look at the Bachelor type shows or I watch Love is Blind on another good Netflix story show. <laughs> <laughs> but you heard the common theme in so many of these people that said, well, I'm afraid he's going to cheat. I'm afraid of relationship. Mm -hmm. I'm afraid. I'm thinking you're just feeding it yeah. by being afraid of it. Mm -hmm. Like what would happen if you just felt the fear? And made the choice anyway. Mm -hmm. How worse off are you at the other yeah. side of that? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You made a choice and amazing things can happen if you choose through fear and you never know. It could be horrible. It could, but then it also could be amazing. But if you yeah. do nothing, you get the same. Yeah. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I find that it tends not to be horrible when we choose love. Yeah. I mean, that's again, following your desire, right? Like yeah. it leads us to something that was, you know, more in alignment with who we really are. And I don't know about you guys, but when I have faced off with fear in my life, it has turned into the greatest games. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. the most I've learned about myself is by, I don't know remember if you remember this, Mindy, but <laughs> in 2000, our very first press junket was with uh, Johnny Depp and for the movie Blow. And yes. I was like 22 years old and I was terrified. And I was like, am I going to do this? Am I going to do this? My heart was racing out of my chest. And it ended up becoming a whole career for me. It and did. that is facing off with your fear. And then and when you left KTLA for CNN, you know, you mm -hmm. were terrified. Like, what am I going to do? Oh, totally. You, I was like, terrified when you said that you were leaving KTLA with, and to pursue your next chapter in life. What was I going to do? And it was all about looking at fear differently rather than fear was like the trigger that wakes you up. Mm -hmm. And then you have to decide, what am I going to do with this fear? Am I going to turn it into something productive? Or am I going to become a victim of it? Mm. And in that case, luckily, because of your help and <laughs> mm. believing in me and friendship, really, actually, tying full circle here on friendship, don't you feel, um, Catherine, like if some of these things are missing, like say I was in my 30s, like I was, I didn't have a partner, which I didn't, what ha what ended up happening by 39 and my, I, I had a little bit of a breakdown, I would say, mm. in my four, that 40th year, but then I remembered that my friends loved me so much mm. and I started to lean on them really heavily and mm. they got me through a really difficult time 
I guess friendship mm-hmm. can also be a really good tool in terms of helping you feel like what is right now is a beautiful thing and not being so focused on what is missing or what you mm-hmm. don't have. Yeah. And yes, that goes exactly. into one of your final things about grace and gratitude. I think that is probably the most important tool that we can express on a daily basis. And I've mm-hmm. heard so much about gratitude literally can change the wiring of your brain. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Expand a little bit on that. And then we're going to, we're running, our time is running out, but I want to hear that your perspective before we say goodbye Mm. about grace and gratitude and how important that is. Mm. So to start with grace, grace to me is the help that shows up in the universe when we're not expecting it. The unexpected, you know, the water wings that hold us up. (laughs) Um, when we haven't even asked and then gratitude is expressing thanks for the things that show up for our friends and for even the rough things i like saying about life that it's not bad and good but good and sometimes rough you know and so yeah having gratitude for all of it for the times that i'm growing and for the times even the that adversity and, exactly i heard someone say the other day i love this phrase adversity is your currency Mm. And it is kind of how you can cash in on an incredible life. Like, you know, your adversity builds grit, which creates opportunity if you embrace it, Mm -hmm. step through the fear and see the nuggets and the Mm -hmm. shine and whatever you've brought into the Mm -hmm. shadow material. And I think there's so much wisdom in that and gratitude. Practice it every day. Yeah. In big and small ways. Even if you see coins on the sidewalk, I always pick them up up and I say, it's a benevolent universe or it's raining money. (laughs) (laughs) I just picked up a penny the other day. I'm like, this is a good sign. Things are going to turn around. Every penny counts because as small as it is, it's a symbol for a greater abundance, I think. Yes, I do too. I do too. Well, Catherine, we're so grateful for you being here. We really, really appreciate it. And Beep Beep, Get Out of My Way is the book. Mm -hmm. And Seven tools for living your unstoppable life. Well, you know, we're all stopped down right now. There's a little Mm -hmm. bit of that going on. I can't think of a better book to read in the middle of, if you're home from spring break, the kids are home. Like you said, download the Audible, download the Audible on Amazon. 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 And Catherine is a psychotherapist in Calabasas. Her website is catherinedemonte.com. D-E-M-O-N-T-E. We'll obviously put all that information up. And we are super grateful. We'll do the namaste. 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 We're not shaking hands anymore. Thank you so much for coming in, Catherine, and braving the elements. Welcome, JD. My pleasure. It's a very scary time for a lot of people. So thank you for coming in studio. Oh, you're so welcome. Pushing through fear. Here we go. Here we go. Pushing to fear with grace grace and gratitude. Yay. Thank you so much. Thank you. Mm -hmm. My pleasure.